listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Animal Party is brought to you by Pet Care Rx, America's most affordable pet pharmacy. Pet Care Rx offers the same meds as top vets, but with a savings up to 50%. And if you find a lower price on a certified EPA and FDA approved medication, Pet Care Rx will match that price. So go to PetCareRx.com. Use promo code ANIMAL10, A-N-I-M-A-L, the number 10, and receive $10 off orders of $50 or more. Hello! Welcome back to Animal Party with Deborah Wolf. You're here on Pet Life Radio, and that means you must have received... A very special invitation in the mail. You must be on the VIP list coming today to our party. Because, well, today, today you get the time with a lawyer without the lawyer's bill in the mail. You get to listen to what you need to hear from a lawyer about animals and pets. A lawyer's written a book about that with another lawyer. So they've covered American and Canadian law, and they're talking about issues that matter to you, particularly what do you do to make sure your pets are okay when you die? But they've also got some outrageous stories about people and the millions they left in different situations and some really positive tips, practical tips, for how to make sure you're picking the right people when you ask the question, will you take care of my dog if something happens to me? Because I think a lot of people stop owning pets. They think, oh, you know what? I won't get a pet. I'm in my 60s and it wouldn't be fair. But there's so many pets without homes and so many people without pets that could be good pet owners. And yes, it would be fair if you make arrangements for them to go to someone who will love them. It would be fair. A dog and cat, they can easily deal with two families in their life or even three if all the families are good and love them. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But we're also going to talk about some trivia, maybe a funny joke if I have time. And I've got some good news, which seemed like bad news, I have to say. First thing, I got this headline on my email before I clicked on it and read the whole article. The first thing was, stray pit bull, woman attacked in park. And I thought, okay, here we go again. Stray pit bull, woman attacked in park. Who's going to want to eliminate pit bulls now? What kind of legislation am I going to have to talk about? Who's going to be off on the wrong track yet again when really those breed bands don't work? And pit bulls can be good dogs. So I'm thinking all that as I click on the story and dun da 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 It's not that story. It's woman attacked by man with knife saved by stray pit bull. Yeah, we're talking a hero here. And he's not even an own dog. He's just, he's, he's exceptional, really. Now, this didn't happen up here in Canada. This happened in Port Charlotte, Florida. The wandering 65 pit bull mix might have seemed menacing to some passersby. But the woman he saved will always call him Angel. So it says here she was attacked while leaving the park with her two-year-old son at knife point. And out of nowhere, she said she didn't even have time to react. Out of nowhere, there's this barking, growling, lunging dog. Big dog. 65 pounds doesn't sound like much. But Pitbull's kind of like a a big muscle with a head and mouth when it's coming at you. There's not a lot. (laughs) That's about all there is to the dog. A lot of power. A lot of force. Huge intimidation. Speed. Strength. You might get a bigger dog, but it would be slower. This is a fast missile of a fighting dog. So here he is doing the right thing. And uh, he he ran to the scene, he chased the guy away, charged the man. The man ran off. Yeah, wouldn't you? And then uh, while she called 911, she put the, the baby toddler in the car and put him in his car seat. And while she was doing this, 
she opened the trunk to get some things and the dog jumped in the back of the car. <laughs> so the police came and they took the dog to a shelter and if it doesn't get claimed, it's going to go to this new family who wants to adopt him. I bet they do. What a good dog. And I've always said, you know, when they make parks no dogs, that's not a good thing. Because it's the dogs that keep the strange people who shouldn't be there, who have ulterior motives, who are lurking on the sides, those people in check. If my dog's running and fetching a ball for me and some kid starts screaming, he's going to go check it out. If my dog's just walking with me, it's just the sight of a 70, 65-pound dog in a park makes the guy think, you know what, maybe I'll try somewhere else. Maybe these people aren't going to be so easily victimized. There was a reason he picked this woman and this kid. He didn't pick somebody with a pit bull. But he got somebody with a pit bull because there was a pit bull around doing the right thing. Now, probably the dog is owned because it is well-trained and well-socialized and knew to do the right thing. But dogs do have a tremendous ability to hone in on who's the danger, who's the threat, and who's the victim, whether they know you or not. And uh, they have a tremendous sense of justice, too. So to defend the weak from uh, someone who's got bad motives, especially if the dog loves children and knows children, knows families, would be an easy, easy transfer for him, even though he doesn't know this family. If he protected a family once or thought that was his job because they cared for him, then he would protect another. So I think this is an amazing story, and it makes me really happy, and it's a good way to begin our talk, because today we're going to have on the show Barry Seltzer author of Fat Cats and Lucky Dogs. He's also a lawyer. And it's all about what you can do so that you can have pets when you're older. And so that even if something unexpected happens, there's some place for your pets to go besides a shelter. And we all think, oh yeah, well, I made a handshake. I told somebody. I got my sister or my friend or my neighbor to say they'd take the dog. Or my best friend loves me so much, he'll take the cat. Well, we'll find out why that's not the way to go. There's better ways to go. And it's not necessarily as complicated as a lot of legal fees either. But there's a better choice. There's a person who's better in your circle of friends and family to choose. And we'll discover that with Barry today. So welcome to the show, Barry. Thank you very much. So your book, Bad Cats and Lucky Dogs, why did you write this book? Well, we were hoping to actually help people, in essence, encouraging them to plan for their pets. And uh, we found, you know, in our practices and, and just in general, probably more than, depending on what poll you buy, more than 50 to 65% of Canadians and Americans don't have a pet plan in place or a plan for their families. And over the 30 years of my practice, I've really tried very hard to try and encourage people to do something. And it's frustrating in some sense, but we were hoping that this might draw some attention to the, to the issue. Well, one thing I've noticed is sometimes the pet is not connected to the money. So the pet goes to someone with, you know, the hope they'll just be good to it, and the money goes somewhere else. And I think sometimes you have to connect the two, right, in order to make sure the pet is provided for, but also that the person you've picked actually has the funds to do it, should their circumstances change. Very much so, and uh, very often people forget that it's also a very large time investment. And the people that you're choosing, not only do they have to care for your pet, they have to actually get along with your pet and vice versa. And then you don't want to become a burden. I mean, you don't want to put them in a position where they're financially worse off than they were before the pet came to visit because the pet may not end up staying there as long as you'd hoped. It might become so burdensome, or if there are veterinarian bills that are so excessive, they may be forced to make a choice that they would rather not make but be forced to. 
So it's a good idea to let some of the money go to the place where really it can do a, the benefit that you had intended and also encourage the person to continue to take care of the patent, but not so much money that they'll want to get rid of the patent and keep the money. Well, yeah, and if the pet is connected to a sum, it means that anybody in your circle who loves pets, for that person, your dog or cat is actually the cheapest animal they can own. It's the easiest. It's the most convenient. So you become a really good choice for anybody you know that loves, loves, loves animals. But that's another mistake I see people making. They don't necessarily pick the person who maybe they only see a couple times a year, but they love that person, loves their cat, and is always ooing and aahing over the cat and saying how much they wish they could have a cat. And, you know, they don't pick that person. They pick someone that's really close to them, the human, but maybe is allergic to cats or maybe doesn't like dogs, you know, or maybe is single and in the next couple of years is going to get married to someone who's allergic or doesn't like dogs or cats. So sometimes their choices can be a little bit off, I think. Would you, do you Very find much. that, too? No, I think you're 100% correct. Uh, and in terms of choosing, it probably is a good idea to have discussions before you choose and maybe choose more than one person and alternates. And I, in doing... Yeah. Yeah, and in doing that, you might find that uh, you're sort of covering the bases. There's no level of perfection. I mean, uh, you know, things change, circumstances change, as you, as you pointed out astutely. Individuals' lives change. They move. They become incapacitated. They develop allergies. There could be any number of reasons. I mean, they get married, and the other person, like you said, may not have a disposition to a pet or be allergic. So you truly have to make... It is flexible as possible and comprehensive in the sense of a, choosing the right people for your pet or pets. And that uh, brings up another issue when you have multiple pets. You know, should they all be going to the same place or should you make arrangements for you know, different and varied uh, people for different types of pets? Not everybody wants a you know, snake or a rabbit or, you know, a rat. <laughs> or seven and, cats. Yeah, I yeah, get you. <laughs> you know? So it's important. I mean, it's, it's a hard decision, you know. You think about it as you would a child in the sense that, you know, if you were, you have a wonderful child and if God forbid something happened, how hard would it be to decide where your child would be raised and how your child would be raised? So again, See, it begs now, the when question. When you say that, I think some people are listening saying it's not a child and getting offended. And I think sometimes... When pet owners go to a lawyer and try to even talk about this, they might be embarrassed to even bring it up. Is they shouldn't that, be. Like, do you, no one, no you one... have to encourage people? Do you ask them? Do you have a set form that you've now added a slot to any pets in your, oh. in your well questionnaire? <laughs> it's been in our form for years. We do ask, okay. and uh, at least three to four clients have a pet provision, and no one is comparing pets or companion animals to children or elevating them above or in any way making children any less than they are. We love our children. We can also love our animals. And the fact is, if I'm going to take care of uh, you know, uh, individuals that I become responsible and I feel responsible to take care of, it would not only include my children. I have six of them. It would include my pets. And I don't think in any way that diminishes you know, the plan. I mean, the idea for us was plan for your family and your pets. So we're including them. We're not excluding them. And the law is moving in that general direction. I mean, you're seeing, you know, in Alberta, there was a case of a truck driver several years back, I think it was around 2004, who had a custody dispute and a support dispute with his wife over their dog. 
And as it turned out, and I believe the dog name was Crunchy, and he was a St. Bernard. And so he ate a bit, of, you know, quite a bit of food. He was ordered to pay dog support and food and other expenses. The decision about access was not made, but the courts are moving in a direction where they're looking at companion animals as something more than merely an animal, and certainly maybe less than a child, but to be treated differently than other types of creatures, which is, you know, also changing. This is a great place to stop and go to commercial. When we get back, I'm going to ask you about some of the more extreme cases in your book, because some of them are really entertaining. But then I'm also going to ask you more on this general topics, because I'm really interested to know. It seems to me that it's really unfair, you know, that the sentences aren't strict enough when it comes to doing oh, we're going to, okay. Yeah, you want to talk animal. about uh, animal cruelty, sure. Yeah, so, and, and no it's problem. really random. And I want, to, I want to understand a little better why it seems like that. And I think people are always sending me emails like this. Like when Michael Vick didn't, in most pet owners' minds, get enough time and enough of a reprimand. There were so many emails coming into me like, why not? Explain the law to us, please. And so I'm going to ask you after the break, but I'm also going to tell people this idea that you've just been talking about that animals are becoming more and more part of our lives and getting more and more rights and respect is really true and it's not necessarily universal all over the world it sort of goes in different stages in different parts of the world at different times in history but I wanted to point out since we just had the American elections by elections last week that uh, there is some history long history with animals and Americans and so I want to ask you all what do Calvin Coolidge these are famous presidents what do Calvin Coolidge JFK and founding father George Washington have in common pet wise and we'll tell you later in the show stay tuned to the animal party we'll be back with Barry Seltzer talking about some outrageous wills and also about laws and animal cruelty don't go anywhere because the best is yet to come stick around Animal Party is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. There's a movement afoot. Shoebuy.com. Join the millions of people who shop Shoebuy.com's over 400 brands and 500,000 products. Order now and get free shipping and free return shipping. Shoebuy.com, the world's greatest shoe store. Walk your dog in style and comfort. Enter the code ANIMAL, A-N-I-M-A-L, at checkout and get a 10% discount plus free shipping at Shoebuy.com. the question, what do I want, what do I need, I'll take affection, I really should mention, I need time, I need love, I crave attention.
My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back with Animal Party. I hope you're here. I hope you're ready. I hope you got your party clothes on. Because we're here with Barry Seltzer, author of Fat Cats and Lucky Dogs. And he's here telling us about some of the more outrageous cases. What have you got in your book that would shock us, do you think? I know we, we hear sometimes about millionaires and their huge money to the SPCA, and that sometimes surprises us, but delights us. But what about individual pets? Does anybody have a, a suite at the Hilton or anything like that going on for their pet after they've died? <laughs> well, there are a lot of things that are actually happening and changing. I mean, in terms of the area of family law, you have uh, you know the, uh, the United States and Canada. There have been custody disputes over pets, usually dogs, and one California couple uh, fought over their pointer greyhound by the name of Gigi, and Gigi was adopted from a shelter, but the legal fees to dispute who would get custody um, went beyond $100,000, and the three-day trial included testimony from animal experts, and they were called upon to determine which home would be better, and eventually uh, the woman in this battle was granted full custody when she played a life, a day in the life video of the dog in court, and the judge determined that she would be better able to take care of the pet than the husband. And so you have, obviously, Leona Helmsley was in the news with trouble, but Leona Helmsley was not the only person to provide substantial sums of money you know, for her pet. In this case, trouble was given $10 million. At the end of the day, it was reduced, and unfortunately, trouble have to get by on a measly $2 million. But you know, people think that's strange, but she had $4.5 billion in her state and left most of it to animal charities and assistance. In fact, okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I want to interject. If anybody who okay. knows trouble is having trouble taking care of trouble, even though trouble Call is always trouble, I'm volunteering. I, I want to take care of trouble, and I will treat her so great. Oh, man. No, but you know what? That brings up something. Trouble, I remember, was not a nice dog, right? Isn't she a Apparently, apparently not. Yeah, right? apparently okay. not. So that's something people can do right now, even though sometimes we find these bad behavior is quite cute. You know, a little dog who's at strangers or people who visit or a dog who's nippy or bitey. If, if we don't have children around, we sort of pretend it doesn't matter that he's like that with kids. Okay, if you pass, you need him or her to be the most adorable, likable, easygoing pet ever for people to be putting up with it. 
not as a puppy, not as a kitten, not as something they chose. So if your dog can go anywhere, on leash or off, comes to stay heel, is good with kids and good with people and respectful of the dinner table, there will be people who will want to take him, even if he's older, even if he has a lot of brushing to go with his maintenance, you know, even if there's something like that. And if that's something, you could set up some of the money to go to grooming if it's a dog that, that needs to be groomed. But with... Um, and the same with cats. If you've got a cat who doesn't use a litter box or <laughs> reliably, nobody's going to want that cat. Nobody's going to put up with it no matter what you do with your will. So you've got to figure out a way, get a trainer, get a behaviorist, get the, the books like Cat Wrangling Made Easy from Dusty Rainbolt or, you know, the information is out there. You can go on my website and there's free cat tips right there. There's cat tips for a cat won't use a litter box, cat won't be nice to kids, dog won't come, dog won't heal. It's all there. But work with your pets so they are social and well-behaved because they'll have way more opportunities then. And some of these pets live like 80 years if you're talking about a parrot. So if you're going to try and place a parrot, he better not be one who attacks other people. That's not good. Okay, so Barry, so, Barry, so um, what, what do you want to tell us about cruelty? Because you've been telling us about divorce laws a little bit and some general things about how the law is changing what about cruelty? Is it true that like, my emails are telling me they're very upset with the fact that sometimes someone will hurt an animal and get five years or six years, and sometimes they seem to get community service or nothing? What's going well, on first, with them? Well, there are two things. Firstly, in the United States and Canada, really have different laws. So we can talk a little bit generally, if you would, about uh, you know, the provinces in Canada that are sort of... Um, not doing as well as the other provinces. Strangely enough, Ontario, Nova Scotia, Manitoba, and New Brunswick, you know, based on a study that was done by the uh, Animal League Defense Fund, are really rated a bit better than you know, provinces such as Alberta, Quebec, and the Northwest Territories and Nunavut. Now, that's not to say that they are better. It's, everything seems to be moving in the right direction. But in the United States, you find that, again, the worst five states are Kentucky, North Dakota, Hawaii, and Idaho, and Mississippi, and Illinois, Maine, Michigan, and Oregon, and California seem to be doing a bit better. The purpose of the law, really, is not to give animal legal rights. The purpose of the law is really to deter violence against humans as well as protect the animals from mistreatment and cruelty. Now, you do have cases all over the place, and some of them are unusual, and some of them, like the Michael Vick case, um, really um, you know, is unfortunately more common than it should be. One of the cases really was a determination of whether goldfish are animals. And interestingly, in the New York Supreme Court in March of 2004, the court did hold that this fellow Marcia, Michael Garcia uh, would be convicted of animal cruelty because he stomped on a goldfish in front of a child. And, uh, you know, the Aww. law there did, unfortunately, um, not maybe go as far as it should have. But the cases are all over the place. I mean, it's not unusual for people to be convicted but be given suspended sentences. And, and again, people are charged for all different things. Now, on the, on the strange and unusual side, both in Toronto and in uh, Minneapolis, in Winona, Minneapolis, they both had cases where a pot-bellied pig was allowed to become uh, rotund. And as a result, in this case in the States... Oh, the uh, eyes, I bet. The eyes. Did, they, did that happen? Did it go blind? Well, no, I'm not sure 100% if uh, one or the other didn't, but one hit about 150 pounds in about nine months, and sadly, its collar became embedded in its neck and had to be removed surgically. And I've, so, you know what? I've seen that with dogs, too. As your animals are growing, you have to keep checking their collars. It can be hideous if you don't. 
got to take care of them. You know, you know what? It's obviously a statement about you know, the individual and how society looks on this. But truly, you know, in Canada, the laws do not have the same teeth. The criminal code, you know, treats this as a non-indictable offense in terms of cruelty. And animals are still perceived in Canada to be property. Um, it's, it's hard to discern, you know, any pattern that is uh, really coming out because the cases are all over the place. Anyway, uh, you know, interestingly, in Birmingham, a woman, uh, she put her pet spider Boris in an envelope and tried to mail him home to Northern Ireland. And she was charged with abandonment, believe it or not. Well, that's and uh, in Somerset, another fellow tried to put his pet turtle through the mail and was charged with neglect. So, you know, the courts and <laughs> that, the That system, makes sense to me, though. That makes sense well, to me. These ahead. animals should not be put in the mail. But I wanted to say, when you were talking earlier about the guy getting in trouble for stomping on a goldfish. Now, some people might have trouble with that because a fish is sort of like food and what's the problem. But when you said it was in front of a child, that's what triggered me to go look up this stat. I have. It's from the Humane Society of the United States stat from one of their website pages. And it says up to 75% of domestic violence victims report that their partners threatened or killed family pets. Okay, so 75% of the domestic violence cases have pets involved, either being threatened or killed. Now, in Wisconsin, 68% of the battered women with pets reported that their animals had also been abused. And these incidents, 75% of these incidents occurred in the presence of children. Now, why is that happening in front of children? Part of it is they often the abuser will use the pet to coerce the other members of the family. And it's a nasty, nasty business. So cracking down on this guy stomping on a goldfish in front of his kid, I kind of get from a, a family violence standpoint in a way when you read these kind of stats because this power control thing and the way they lash out and the way it affects the families, it's so important that we all call. Make the call. Call your local police. Call your local SPCA or Humane Society or shelter if you think there's violence, if you think there's a dog that's tethered 24-7 or horses that don't have water or cats that are being abused or uh, maybe you've seen fighting type dogs and they've got scars and marks on them or they're just tied up all the time and then pregnant or something's going on. If you think something's going on, call it in because chances are there's kids watching this. You know, as well as the animals. I mean, at my first, I want the animals safe, but I don't want the kids seeing this either. And the kids who see it often grow up and do it. So it's. Uh, I agree with you 100%. You know, while, while the goldfish in this case was a victim, and even though the conviction, uh, you know, was in the strange news sections of the newspapers, it mm-hmm. really does reveal that, uh, you know, the violence, and, and it's invisible. And it's a reminder for the community to address these interpersonal violence issues. And hopefully the courts and the legislatures will provide tools to allow them to do that. So I agree with you a, a thousand percent. Well, and if people are listening and they're in some kind of situation, there's also a really high stat that there's women who do not seek help because they can't leave their pet behind with the abuser. And, you know, nowadays, if you check into a shelter or someplace like that, they'll find, you know, an animal shelter in your neighborhood or a foster home in your neighborhood. They'll make something work so you don't have to leave the animal in that situation. So don't let the animal keep you and your kids in danger because of this abuser. You know, and I shouldn't just say women. It doesn't necessarily have to be women that are victims. And, and you know, I just, um, 
any person 32% of the yeah. battered women report that their children had hurt or killed animals. So that's, those are the ones that know of it, right? They, they've been abused themselves and they see in their children that uh, they're hurting or killing animals. So we've, we've really, this is a huge part of the violence cycle that we can affect, you know? I mean, it's kind of a good news thing. We can, now, before you couldn't do that. You had to leave the pet. Now you don't have to leave the pet and you can get out of there. Okay, so we talked a little bit about how things compare. So would you say, would you rather be a dog or a cat in Canada or a dog or a cat in America? based on the laws. <laughs> I, I prob- probably neither place where I'm being targeted, but can I tell you one interesting little thing? <laughs> par- pardon the pun. And this uh, fellow, Earl Metro, was reporting a Canadian lawyer, and he bit his pit bull to discipline him and was sentenced to six months of probation, 40 hours of community <laughs> service. So it's the only case I've ever heard of where man bites dog and goes to jail. That's but, uh, I, yeah, well, it's kind of un- un- unusual, but it, it sort of underscores in some sense what you're saying. You know, I'm not sure that I'd rather be a dog or a cat in either country uh, subject to abuse. In terms of the people perpetrating the abuse, it looks like the, upon reading the C- Criminal Code of Canada, you think there's zero tolerance. But I've got to tell you that the summary offense conviction only makes the fine uh, $2,000 or imprisonment for six months, and most judges faced with animal cruelty cases currently are hesitant to impose sentences, which would have probably a a deterrent effect, and it's extremely rare for anybody to get a six-month jail sentence. In the United States, there are a lot of examples of people getting bigger sentences, but they're usually people who have committed other crimes, or the crime they've committed in the way they've committed it, in terms of the animal cruelty, is so heinous that it's difficult for the court to ignore. So I'm not sure I have an answer for you. It's sad for me in both instances, to be honest. Don't leave this party before it's over, because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home for her. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at petco.com. Where have you been? Oh, Grandma, I've been busy, you know, racing, GoDaddy girl. Oh, I built my own online store with GoDaddy. Really? Let me see. Grandma'sauction.com? Hey, aren't those Grandpa's golf clubs? Grandma needs her bingo money. 
Use promo code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get a .com domain name for just $7.49 at GoDaddy.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Maybe Japan is the answer. They've got pampered pets there. You pay $15 to sit in a, in a cafe for half an hour and be with cats. And uh, you rent dogs by the hour. And uh, they're, they're pampered to the hilt. But I think it's a very urban life. And I don't know if I'd want to be a dog in, in an urban center myself. I don't know. You know, you didn't mention Missouri in your list of states that were trailing behind a little bit on protecting animals. And I found that interesting because apparently the huge number of uh, puppy mills are, uh, there's 3,000 puppy mills in Missouri, well, and it's like the you know, most of all the states. So 30% of the entire puppy mill puppy problem comes from Missouri, according and to they the do latest have, stats. Uh, and there's been a yeah. proposition there to try and deal with this. So I'm wondering, where do you think Missouri fits on this? Well, Missouri, ha- they have a felony provision. You know, their statute uh, for neglect, they have a $500 fine and imprisonment for 15 days. It's not gigantic. Abuse, as it's defined, it goes up to year, and where there's torture and mutilation, the fine goes to $500 in prison for five years, but I'm not sure how many people are being given that sentence. So, you know, it's not um, the teeth in the law, it's also the willingness of the courts to apply the teeth in the law. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've done a comprehensive study of, uh, you know, each state and each of the decisions. No, no, I that's haven't. good, though. You, you kind of help us understand. Because it is difficult to understand why someone could hurt a cat or kill a dog in one state or province and get six months and maybe even not have to do that somehow. And, uh, and someone else might get eight years, you know, and Go why on. that is. Well, I, I think you have to look at each individual situation, the circumstances, but you want to hear something really odd. The criminal code penalty for, yeah. you know, animal abuse, quotation marks, is less than the penalty for uttering a threat to kill, poison, or injure an animal or bird that is the property of any person. Um, in other words, it can be an indictable offense preceded by indictment, unlike the other animal provisions, and the liability of imprisonment is 24 months. So it's a greater penalty if you threaten to do something like that than if you actually do it. Now, that's, that's kind of strange. strange. It needs to be yeah. fixed. There's well, it there. does. Yeah, and you know, examples abound all over the country. I mean, in Canada, you know, in uh, you know, R versus Rand, Regina versus Randall, the accused fellow kicked and beat his dog with a hockey stick, and that's terrible. And the court fined him a thousand dollars. You know, it's not, that's you know, not right. 
within the range of maybe what it should be. You know, in Regina versus Higgins, we always go by Regina because it's the queen versus whoever is the defendant. A cat owner wanted to discipline his cat, Sammy, who had overturned a garbage pail. And he accidentally, quotation marks, broke the leg of the cat, and he was acquitted of the animal cruelty charge because the court determined that when he was giving chase to the cat, the broom, his intention was to scare the cat and not injure it. You know, so oh, really you don't ridiculous. have to be responsible for your own actions, you know, so it so is. So if, I mean, if you were to do that to a child, it would be okay if you didn't really mean to break his leg. Ridiculous. No, it wouldn't be. It's not in either instance. I agree with you, Deborah, a thousand, a hundred thousand percent. You know, but, you know, so there are cases and cases and cases and cases. Yet in Broadmoor, a man was sentenced to animal cruelty in the United States. Louisiana SPCA, there was a German shepherd there who was malnourished. And uh, you would know better than I, and maybe you can tell people. He, he was at 38 pounds. I'm not sure what the weight of a German oh shepherd should be, no, but I know pounds I'm not. Is a, 38 pounds is what a Cocker Spaniel would weigh, a big, a big one. But still, it's a medium poodle would weigh 38 pounds maybe if it was a slender one. We're not talking German Shepherd. German Shepherd should weigh, the smallest, smallest female would weigh at least 65 pounds. But most of the boys would be closer to 90. So that's well, just this, a third what he should be. That's uh, like terrible. skin and bones barely yeah. surviving. His ribs Before, were showing, you're right. Towards. That's just yeah. terrible. This was the second time in two years that this guy was charged with animal cruelty. And so, you know, the dog, uh, you know, fortunately ended up in foster with a foster family and now has gained weight. But he ended up having a 45-day jail term and was ordered to pay a $684 fine. Your ticket for driving with your cell phone <laughs> is almost it's as worse. large as the fine that he had to pay. That's ridiculous. It is. Well, so it's what so, can we do so, to make things different? Can we, is there a way to lobby? Is there a way to petition? Sure. Like, do you go, I guess the, a good start would be going on the American SPCA's website, going on the HSUS website if you're in the States, and looking at what they have there to sign up. Because there's all kinds of online petitions for your area, for your region. They're, they're working on stuff right now. So you can join that way and then find all kinds of links from there. But what do you do if you're in Canada? I think you could do the same thing, and, and certainly we can lobby politicians, we can advocate for changes in the law, we can actually, as you said, file complaints or bring it to the attention of the authorities, but the other thing is police in some states and in some jurisdictions here are not as familiar with the statutes and the laws as they should be, or not inclined to apply them, and in some ways you have to encourage them to do that. I'm not saying they're not doing their job and they're not interested and they don't care, but maybe sometimes they're overworked and under or underpersoned, and quite frankly, you need to have some encouragement. So there's lots you can try to do. There's no guarantee it's going to change, but it is moving in the right direction. And, you know, you want it to be within reason, but you also want it to be effective and try and prevent people from doing this and also maybe try and find them the opportunity to get the help they need so that it doesn't get repeated. And with Michael Vick, I mean, you know, when we opened up and talked about him, interestingly, uh, you, know, his, you know, he ended up at the because I guess they were overbooked at the uh, prison, serving mm -hmm. his 23-month uh, penitentiary sentence. Well, he was expected to move into a halfway house and then uh, be electronically monitored and complete his, uh, you know, sentence at home. So, you know, it's an interesting way that, uh, you know, people have that opportunity to elude the full punishment. You know? The rehabilitation so. of the dogs he damaged has taken longer than that. A lot of them actually will never be rehabilitated because they're, they're no longer with us. 
you know, yes, a lot of the dogs of were put to death in a, in a heinous but way. But some were rescued, so. and, and, you know, even though this is an example of very harsh breed and, and breeds and very strong breeding toward those traits in individual dogs. So you've got very potentially nasty, difficult, aggressive dogs who've actually been used and trained in that way. So as difficult you could get, the ones they fostered out, they're all doing great. There's, some of them are already in homes and stuff like that. But yeah. it, really, it really stung when he was released before we were done with the work on, on you know, it's like, it's like if someone hurts a person and puts them in the hospital and they're out of jail before the person's even out of hospital. It just doesn't seem right, you know? Can, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, I, I'm curious to know because I've heard it said that, uh, you know, particular breeds, yeah, even though they may have a predisposition, it takes someone who takes care of them and trains them to bring that out. And you can try and, uh, you know, mitigate that by training them differently, even pit bulls, so that they don't necessarily have to have that aggressive behavior. Is that true? Well, dogs who have been bred over the years to be tough and security type dogs, or as indeed pit bulls were at sometimes pit fighting dogs, they have these skills. They have these abilities, and all, everybody wants to go with their strength. The golden wants to go swimming because it's a good swimmer and it feels good, and it's been bred to do that. And all its fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers and grandmothers, they were all swimmers too, and that's why it was bred for that way back when we needed them to get our duck out of the water. You know that kind of thing. So they've been bred for function. So they kind of have a default to go to their function. In in some ways. But that function can be to protect the family. It doesn't have to be to go out and seek conflict with other dogs, you know, or other people, or to be aggressive in an uncontrolled and random way, or to our mind, random, because it's all about the dog. But from the dog's perspective, it's just aggressive with everything. Um, and in a lot of cases, uh, what we're talking about are intact dogs. The percent of dogs who bite people that are not neutered is in the high 70s and it's usually males not females and the most often people bit by dogs are usually and this is the one I hate the most they're usually if you had to pick one person on the earth to get bit by a dog it would not be a robber and it would not be a stranger it would be an eight-year-old boy who knows the dog but not well that's the target that's the you know so so what do we is it always pit bulls no dachshunds bite more people than pit bulls bite but it means if you have a breed that's got these skills and propensities and has been bred for these things all it's like you got to do the training you got to be firm with it when you first get it you got to learn how to train it properly with lots of positive incentive and exposing it to everything you want it to understand you can't just bring out uh, a Rottweiler, a Pitbull, or a uh, German Shepherd, even even a dog who isn't Shepherds were for herding, but even a dog who isn't for fighting, but a strong dog, a dog with a strong personality. You can't just bring him into a situation for the first time at three and expect him to know how to deal with kids all of a sudden. You have to train him. Now, if I get a three-year-old dog like that that's never dealt with kids, I can train him then and there. No problem. We can get that dog to be good with kids for sure, but you have to train him. You have to spend the time teaching him how to behave. And and so there's trainers to help you if your dog's older. If you get a Pitbull, or a Rottweiler, or a German Shepherd, a Doberman, any dog that's strong, strong-willed and strong-bodied, you got to train it a lot and spend a lot of time with it when it's growing up and expose it to a lot of things, and then you'll have a good dog. You'll have a great dog. You'll have a dog like the Pipple on Little Rascals that protects the gang, you know? There's no reason you can't. But I think the Pipple breed ban laws are mistaken because they target... Only the good owners who care about the laws and rules and only the people who have registered purebred pit bulls, which is a fraction. And then they don't target all the other dogs who are problems. So it really has to be targeted more at behavior and education. Plus, when they do a breed ban, the breed just gets worse. These people who want to fight dogs, they just pick a different breed or they make a different breed and it won't be 
better than a pit bull. It will be worse. So it's cracking down on it and reporting it. So, Bear, we're almost on our time here. Thank you for asking me that question, though, because I love to talk about dogs I love, and I love all dogs, and I don't like it when one breeds persecuted. But I want to ask you, if you want people to know one good message to leave them with from fat cats and lucky dogs, which they can get and inform themselves, what would it be? What, what should people take away from this book and from hearing about it with you that will make them want to pick it up at the store? Well, I, I hope that it's interesting and, and informative and that they, when they do get it at the store that they're happy they did and gives them a lot of information. But I also hope it encourages them to plan for themselves and their families, which is really the message underlying everything that we've been doing. And, uh, you know, in that regard, whatever we can do to help, we're happy to do that and encourage it. As you heard from Barry, the book is full of outrageous stories. He's got them at his fingertips, but they're all through the book, too. People who left a lot of money to their dog. But sometimes people leave a lot of money, and the dog still ends up in a shelter. So I want you guys to really think about who you pick and make good arrangements and have good discussions like Barry's suggesting. Make sure there's a few options in case the person who wants them most marries someone allergic or loses their house or has to move or gets ill themselves. You know, if you're talking about a long-lived pet, you've got to really think about alternates and maybe pick some younger people, too. <laughs> but uh, for now, I think we're done, Barry. And where can they get your book? Um, well, it's available at Amazon.com, www.fatcatsandluckydogs.com. Or, or you can, can link to it right through this website on Pet Life Radio. You can just click and order the book right there, I bet, because we set that up at Pet Life Radio to make it easy for you. Because when you hear a good guest, you want the book right then and there, and there it is. It's got a, a sharp hay on the front and definitely a fat cat. That cat is too fat <laughs> and uh, a parrot. And so, um, or actually, I think it's a cockatiel. It's a cockatiel. So, yeah, you don't want to think about this. Nobody does. But when you're in there talking with your lawyer about your kids and your cabin and your boat and your motorcycle and all this other stuff, think about your animals because they'll be missing you and they'll be hurting and they'll want someone to love them. Okay, well, thanks so much for this interview. It's been great, Barry. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Deborah. Take good care of yourself. Okay, thank you. All right. So that was Barry Seltzer. And I should let you all know before we leave the party what the answer to the trivia question of the day was. If you want a friend in Washington, get a dog. That was what Truman said. And uh, that's what Clinton did when he was in the middle of one of those crisis moments when the press was covering him nonstop with gossip and scandal. He already had a cat named Socks, but he went out and got a chocolate lab named Buddy. And he even said at the time, I need a friend. <laughs> I bet he did. So, and I bet Buddy was a good friend because it looked to me from the footage that Clinton was treating him well. So what do Calvin Coolidge, JFK, and founding father George Washington have in common pet-wise? Well, the answer is a huge, huge amount of pets. <laughs> the winner of these three is probably George Washington with 37 hounds and horses. But JFK and Calvin Coolidge each had between 35 and 50 pets. So a lot of pets. Crazy things have lived at the White House. An elephant lived there. Sometimes heads of state would give pets and animals to the White House. So uh, they couldn't be refused. <laughs> so there were a lot of animals at the White House. There's been animals and uh, politics and animals and people for a long time in history. And now we finally have the tools to make sure they're okay after we die and use modern laws to our advantage. And maybe if we all call it in when we see it, we can put an end to animal cruelty. Maybe if we all log on to the ASPCA and the HSUS 
and vote on things and sign up, we can start making the laws more fair to animals so the people who do these cruel things really do get separated from animals and get put where they can't hurt animals anymore. Okay, everybody, so that was the party today. We'll be back next week with a whole new party. We'll have Marcy Kladnick on the show, on the next show, on Animal Party Pet Life Radio. Be good to your animals and party hardy with your animals. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.